Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning, this is Terry Wickstrom, and what a beautiful day out. Is this why we live in Colorado? Did you guys um, happen to enjoy the evening yesterday? You know what, it got much warmer at my place than I thought it was going to. Got the boat ready yesterday. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little later in the show. I haven't had mine out yet, but I went through, cleaned it up, checked everything out. want to talk to you about that and, and make sure you do the right things before you get on the water. So we'll, we'll bring that up a little later. We got a lot to cover today. Um, we're, hopefully we're going to be joined here in a minute by Chad Lachance. And we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of things coming up with Chad especially a, a special event that's going on at Crowley Marine. So in a couple of weeks, we want to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about pond fishing. Had a big response to a post that I put on, the, uh, on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, where I went out, I actually went out and started, I wanted to check a bunch of the ponds because I didn't, hadn't gotten my boat ready yet, but I wanted to do some fishing. I thought I'd go to try and get some big bass to move. Uh, typically in spring like this in those ponds, you're, if you go after the big bass, you don't get many bites, but you can get some really nice ones. I didn't get the big bass to go. So I had to, uh, I did that for a little bit, and I went for, to some different ponds and moved around. So I finally decided, well, I want to catch some fish. Let's see what the trout and the panfish are doing. So I... Uh, I switched over to some lighter gear, some small jigs, some little spinners, a few different presentations. Caught some trout right away. I mean, just really re- immediately got into some trout. And uh, uh, then I kind of switched over to just a little bobber, and I had a little gulp. Uh, I think it's an inch and a half leech, a black one on a, a not much more than an ice fishing jig, maybe just a little bigger than some of my ice fishing jigs, but one typical like that. Fished it under a bobber at some different ponds. And you should go check out the post on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You'll have to scroll down because we've posted things since then. But what a great, great time I had catching some beautiful crappies and bluegills at ponds around. And I know um, we don't like to have secret places where we go and don't tell you where it was. Now, a lot of my fishing will happen at the ponds in Loveland that are right by the river in First Street. But I did jump around to some different ponds, too. But it isn't so much about the pond, because the ponds up and down the Front Range, most of them are stocked with panfish and bass and certainly trout. And, and with this warming weather, those ponds are really taking off. In fact, I would think the bass are going to be phenomenal now. They're really, really hitting on all cylinders. So this is the time to get out. You know, All of you that don't own a boat, you talk to us all the time about um, about talking about more shore fishing and that's exactly exactly what uh what we're trying to do now and i'll tell you what you don't need a lot of expensive gear right now to go have fun um it, hopefully chad will call in we'll talk more about the bass but we will in a little bit anyway but for the panfish and the trout you can get by with some really minimal equipment you know just a, a medium to light spinning rod with uh you know four to eight pound test i'd I like to use four, but you might want to use six for more all around, depending on your spinning rod. 
And then just some small jigs and a bobber. It doesn't even have to be a slip bobber. Just a little clip-on bobber and just adjust the depth till you start getting action. Now, a lot of people are going to um, cast too far out in the lake. Now, you can do that. You want to cast different places and search around. But these panfish are coming into this warm, shallow water where the bugs are, where little minnows are gathering, and they're really getting up there to feed before they spawn there. I doubt that any of them are in the spawn yet. I guess it's possible if some of these ponds warmed up really quickly. And uh, so they're in there. And you can catch a number of them. Some of the lakes you'll find they're a little stunted, and you'll get numbers and numbers of them. And some of the lakes will have uh, bigger uh, bigger panfish. You might not get as many. I kind of went after looking for the bigger panfish, so I moved around to different ponds. But if you look at that post, you'll see some beautiful, beautiful crappies, and you'll see some... Uh, some really nice bluegills. I didn't put the trout up there. The trout I caught were just stalker-type trout. But there's a lot of that going on. We talked about that last week, that the local ponds and lakes are being stocked and that uh, up and down, because as the water warms, the trout don't do as well. So you can kind of follow the stocking activity up the altitude now as as the weather progresses. Right now they've stocked a lot of the lower level ponds and lakes heavily with trout and the walleye too. We're going to talk about that. They walleye spawn came out really well, but those aren't catchable yet. And as the water opens up as we move up the the mountains, uh, they're going to stock more and more trout there. So it's a great time now to kind of follow that stocking movement if you just want to catch some fish. Now you're going to catch, you know, 8 to 12-inch trout, but almost all of these lakes and ponds have some holdover fish. So it's not uncommon to get a 15-inch, a you know, 16-inch trout at times. And some of the bigger front-range lakes, well, the water's still cool, like Chatfield and Aurora, there's some big trout. I mean, I'm talking 10-pound fish. We used to see those in horse tooth quite a bit too, but that was kind of a unique situation, that horse tooth, because what happened was they they um, they had stocked during one of the fires. They had dumped a whole bunch of uh, young trout. I think they were fingerlings. I don't even think they were catchable, but I, I don't know for sure. And they, but they dumped them into horse tooth because they had to move them out from because of the fires several years ago. Well, those trout grew because of the forage base that's available. And you've seen pictures of Ronnie Castiglione and Chad and all those guys catching numbers of five to 12 pound rainbows in horse tooth. But those are kind of coming in to, to the end now. A lot of those fish have been caught and they're also getting towards the end of their natural lifespan. So we're pro there's been a few trout stocked this year in horse tooth, but they normally don't stock a lot there. And so that, that fishery is going to kind of go away. You still could catch a real nice big bonus fish, but I would to concentrate on one and go out like you used to be able to with really expectations of catching a big fish isn't there. But up and down the front range now, the pond fishing is just really phenomenal. But there's some other things I want to talk about too. I told you I did get my boat ready. And I made some mistakes. You know, I used to get a new boat every year because I was uh, on television and they sponsored me and I was in tournaments prior to that, fishing tournaments. So I was never used to having a boat for more than about a year for 20 some years, maybe 30. And uh, I... One year, I, well, I've kept, I kept my boat, 
and I decided I was done with TV, done with tournaments. We're doing the radio, and so I wanted to keep the last boat, to have one really nice boat to continue to fish out of. So I did that. I uh, About three years into having that boat, I took it out on the lake at the run everything, get ready for the spring fishing, and my electric trolling motor wasn't working very well. So what I did, I went, took the thing immediately back home. I had a spare trolling motor. I'm very fortunate because my sponsors had supplied me backup things. Put a whole different trolling motor on it, went back out, still didn't work right. Finally, I realized I hadn't checked the batteries. I tell everybody when you're getting ready, check your fuel, check your batteries, check your fire extinguisher, check your life jackets, put your tackle in, go through everything that's in your boat. I didn't do that that year. I was guilty of not doing what I tell everybody else to do. So I had to, I, 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 the battery, a couple of the cells were drained of water. I leave my batteries on a trickle charge during the winter, but I make sure I keep distilled water in them. So now I'm very good about putting the distilled water in if I had to buy new batteries that year. But, and now it, everything seems fine, but I do check them. So if you're going to go out, if you're going to take your boat up for the first time, if you haven't already, and a lot of you have, don't go to the boat landing until you've checked all your batteries, until you've checked your fire extinguisher. And the other thing people don't do, buy a pair of the muffs that go over your motor and run your motor. Start it at home in your driveway just for a few minutes because sometimes there'll be a water uh, pump impeller. Sometimes you've got clogged injectors. You've got something in your fuel. Even if it's fairly new, it could be a year-old boat, there can be something wrong. So make sure you check all that before you go. You don't want to go to the lake, dump the boat in the water, and then not be able to start it. Because it's tough to get it back on a trailer if it's a big boat if you do that. Um, and, you know, that's that's another thing, too, that I, I fish all over the world with people and people you see on TV and tournaments and people from around here. And a lot of them like to just dump the boat. They count on it being able to start, and they just pull it over with a rope. That's okay, but if it doesn't start, you play heck getting that thing cranked back up in your trailer because you can't drive it on. I like to start my motor, and then usually there's somebody with me uh, in the truck. If not, I have to back deep enough, but then I like to drive my boat off the trailer. Now I know I'm under power. Everything's running. I've got control. The wind isn't going to grab it. I can control it. That's just me personally and how I like to approach it. But that's uh, that's something uh, that a few tips on getting your boat ready. Get things checked out. But I tell you what, this weather, you've got to get out and fish. Get outdoors. I want to make uh, one sad note today, too. Uh, if you follow tournament fishing at all, a lot of you know uh, a gentleman named Tommy Scarless. He's been on the tournament. I've met Tommy in the 90s. He's been on the, when I was writing for In Fisherman. He's been on the tournament trail forever. I was covering the professional walleye trail for In Fisherman in the 90s. I wrote for Walleye Insider. And I got to know Tommy really well. You know, a couple of years ago, Tommy had a fall out of his deer stand. They didn't know if he'd be able to walk again. Well, he's been up walking. He was doing well. Actually won a tournament here just not too long ago. He's competing in a couple different circuits. Well, I just found out yesterday he's been diagnosed with a, a massive brain tumor. And it, the, the prognosis isn't very good. So uh, if you Google Tommy Scarless, go give him your best wishes. This is not only one of the great anglers in the United States, but a very, very incredible, incredible person. So you might want to do that and uh, and see, uh, you know, just give him your, your well wishes. And that's uh, that's something you may want to do. 
Um, before we go, to, I'm going to go to a break, and maybe we can fit Chad in at the end of this hour if we get a hold of him. But um, I do want to re- make a note that next week there won't be a show next week um, because of the NFL draft, but we'll be back the week after that at the 10 to noon time frame. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones, and joining us from Parks and Wildlife is Ken Schnocky. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. Good morning, Terry. All right. Now, you told me yesterday, and I'm looking at it and going, I don't want to screw up his name. I asked the poor guy yeah. how to pronounce it. Hey, but thanks for joining us. you got something special going on, an event that's coming up in about a week, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it starts this coming Friday um, on April 26th, and it goes through May 5th. And it's um, it's a big event to try and document biodiversity, which is all the wildlife in our cities around the world. So before we get into more on the event and how we can beat some of these other cities, we want to be number one this year. It involves using an app. Now, the That's app correct. is called iNaturalist. I have it on my phone. And I and for those of you that you know want more information that we can give you in this few minutes, I wrote a whole article on this in the Denver Post this time last year when we did it. So if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, I just reposted that this week, so you'll have to scroll down a little bit. But let's tell people that didn't hear that, Kent, about the app first. How does it work? So it's a free app. You just create an account with an email, and it basically tries to identify whatever you're looking at in terms of living things. So it could be a plant, it could be an animal um, or a a small insect, anything like that. And it'll take where you are in the world along with what other people have seen around you and try and help you figure out what you're looking at. And even if you know what it is by posting a picture, it provides uh, both uh, helps scientific research because it documents that that plant or animal or insect does actually exist in that in in those areas and in that habitat so it gives great information and you help other people even if you're sharing something you know right exactly Uh, and scientific managers and places like colorado parks and wildlife we use that data to know what's in our state parks and if it should be there or if it shouldn't be there if it's an invasive animal or plant well, you know, and a lot of people, we're an outdoor community here. That's why this show's been on its 22nd mm-hmm. year. And, and But everybody doesn't just hunt and fish. They're wildlife watchers. They're nature hikers. They're bird watchers. They're flower. They like to enjoy the, the, the flowers. And you t- everybody has a, a phone with them that they almost has a camera with them because almost everybody takes their phones. And really, that's all you need is a camera to take part in this, right? Exactly. That's all you need is a camera. It doesn't have to be on a phone. You can do everything on a computer um, with the free account. And so if you just have a camera and a way to put those on a computer or get them on the Internet, you can use the app or the Internet and uh, document all the wildlife you see around you. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you're going to a lot of people are going to take pictures of these things anyway. And I know and I and I'll be the first to admit that a lot of times with a bird or something like that, I don't always know exactly what it is. So I can take a picture of that and I can actually then upload that and find out exactly what birds um, I'm seeing, whether it's by my house right in town or when I'm out in the out in the woods or up in the mountains. Right. Exactly. You can use it anywhere in Colorado. You can use it anywhere in the world, actually. 
Um, and the cool thing about iNaturalist is that it's a community. And so if you don't know what it is and you post it online, someone else can help you figure out what it is based on where you took the picture and the time of the year. You know, those things change which animals or plants could be in the area. Well, and it does, and it really is an aid to management and knowing where these animals do exist. But now there's a chance to not only use this to just enhance your enjoyment on a year-round basis, which most people who get the app would do, there's a chance for a competition. This is, what, the fourth annual of this? That's correct. The fourth year, it's called the City Nature Challenge, and it is worldwide, Terry. We have uh, hopefully all seven continents represented this year. We might have some people in Antarctica, which is pretty exciting. But it's a, it's a way to look at all the animals and plants that live near us inside of our city boundaries. And um, they, they differ quite a bit from the ones that would be out more up in the mountains or out on the plains. And when you do this, um, you do this, and there's actually this competition goes on. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Denver, did Denver finish like 20th last year or something like that? Yeah, we were about in the top third. There was about 60 cities last year, and this year there's going to be over 160 cities, so it's uh, over double the number of people and places that are participating, which is exciting. Well, and we want to be number one this year, and and you guys kind of figured out that San Francisco comes in number one, but they have like four times our population, or at least double, and right. and they, they include all the outlying counties and everything, too. So we're going to team up with Boulder this year, and we're going after number one, right? That's right. I've got a list of um, counties, if you want me to list those out. We've, we've got a lot of counties around the area. Um, so if you live anywhere in those counties and you just go outside from April 26th through the 29th, anytime during the, those four days, you can take a picture. Um, if you're in the following counties, you want me to list those off for yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. All right. There are Adams County, Arapahoe County, Boulder, Broomfield, Clear Creek, Denver, Douglas, Elbert, Gilpin, Jefferson, and Park County. And we want to win this thing this year, folks. So on, by downloading the free app and participating, you're going to learn to use the app and how much fun it can be. And we're going to take Denver to number one this year. Now, uh, what about if I don't live in the county, but I take a picture, I travel in, I come into Denver for other things, and I take a picture, does that count? It still counts, as long as it was taken within that location over those four days. Um, and then there's actually six days after that that we have kind of a, a back-end time to be able to upload our pictures and help other people figure out what they saw. Uh, so we're calling that the identification period, and that's from April 30th through May 5th. Okay, so if people want more information on this, where can they find it? We've got a great website set up um, through one of our partners, the Wild Foundation. So if you go to www.wild.org forward slash nature challenge, we have all the information on that website. We've got a variety of events going on that week um, all around the, the area. So you can check out the map and get some more details about when events are happening and go meet some other people that want to connect with nature um, but not have to backpack out into, you know, 10 days in the wilderness to do that. Well, and Kent, now the other thing about this too, there's much larger number of cities competing this year. Mm-hmm. There's, what, 160, I believe? Yeah, we have over 160 this year. It started out with just two four years ago, and it's grown to over 160 this year. Um, and I imagine next year there'll be over 200 cities. It's going to be continuing to grow in the future. And so you can connect with other people around the world as they um, learn to 
just take a minute to look at the nature around them. It's everywhere. You don't have to go anywhere to see nature. You can just look out your window. All right. The app is iNaturalist. It's free. You don't need to put a credit card or anything, just your email address. And you can mm-hmm. get that. And then give the website again where they can find more information. Wild.org forward slash nature challenge. Okay. So just if you Google wild.org or nature, I'll bet, I bet they'd come up, right? Yeah. You'll get some city nature challenge websites as well, which is the the larger organization that's putting it on. All right. That's great. Hey, Kent, thank you for joining us. Let's bring Denver in. We want an update when it's over, and we want you to come on and say we were number one. All right. <laughs> thank you, Terry. Thanks, Kent. That's Kent. He works with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. This is fun. We we, uh, we helped them with this last year, and everybody had a great time. And it's just a reason to get outside and have some camaraderie and, and you know, and be more observant because with the more you're outside and you're doing something like this, you'll find yourself seeing things that you didn't see before, whether it's a flower or a bug or an animal even that you just all of a sudden are enjoying seeing. And you can go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and scroll down two or three posts. And there's an article I wrote last year that describes it all and all the information is there. We'll take a time out. We'll be back with more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to go back to the phones. And joining us from one of my favorite fishing spots in the state, Navajo Reservoir's Rob Carter. Good morning, Rob. Hey, Terry. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great. A couple things. I know we're going to get to all the activities and the accommodations and especially the fishing, but I think with what went on the last couple of years in that southeast part of the state, um, well, first, tell people where Navajo is and describe it, I suppose, because then we'll tell them about the water levels. Well, Nav- Navajo, we're uh, 35 miles southwest of Pagosa Springs and 45 miles southeast of Durango, Colorado. Uh, the lake is 35 miles long, so it's a good-sized lake. The majority of the lake is in New Mexico. Of course, our marina and boat ramp is, is in Colorado, and it's got some great recreation, great camping, great fishing, uh, great wakeboarding, water skiing. And just about anything you want to do. And, boy, I bet you it's beautiful down there right now. But let's talk, before we even talk about the weather, let's talk about the water. You guys, it was horrific, uh, horrific water year the last couple of years. What's, but you were able to maintain these lower, these ramps that went into the low water and keep it open. What's the status now? And kind of look into your crystal ball for me. Okay, Terry. Yes, last year definitely we we saw some low water, uh, did not have a lot of snowpack, and uh, we actually had to pull some of the slips in our uh, marina off the water because of the low water, and that gave us a chance to resurface about 180 feet of our boat ramp, which was, so you have to look at it as a positive. We did have the low water, but we got the, the new boat ramp resurfaced. This year, the water's come up quite a bit. In fact, it's come up a little over 16 feet since the 1st of March, which is a big increase, and uh, we're looking at, at good good runoff still to come, and I think we're going to see a good, good lake fill up this year. That's awesome, because that bode so well for that fishery you know sometimes these drawdowns and come back what they'll do is they'll put some more nutrients in because you get some brush they'll develop some new habitat and they'll just actually improve the fishery and the one thing that usually happens when water comes up it does spread them out a little bit so you got to hunt a little more but before we even get into that there's more than just fishing at navajo um let's talk a little bit about 
camping, and I believe you've got cabins there too. Yes, sir, we do. We, we have 120 uh, campsites. Uh, some are full service, some are just uh, tent campsites. And then we do have three cabins that are very nice log cabins. Uh, they're fully equipped with uh, you know stoves, microwaves, fridges, two, two bedrooms. Uh, one bedroom has bunk beds, one is a master bedroom. Uh, camping is best to reserve online, uh, but we do have several sites that we save for walk-in customers as well, too. So, and you got a number of sites, and it's beautiful down there. And you talked about the proximity to Durango and Pagosa Springs. I've actually, um, when I've come down there, and I actually filmed, by the way, on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, George Large from In Fisherman and I um, have a show where we're there in the spring catching pike and smallmouth. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I stayed in Durango and then drove down to the lake, and that allowed me access to the restaurants and things. So you could do it both ways. You could camp and use that as your headquarters for to see an incredible part of the United States down there, or you could stay in one of the nearby towns and make day trips to the lake, right? Absolutely, and a lot of people do. I mean, you're really only 35, 40 minutes from either Pagosa Springs or Durango, and like you say there, you've got the hotels and you've got the restaurants, got the shopping, the stores, the hot springs in Pagosa Springs, too. And now if you do come down, there's a lot more to do, too. You've got some, I think you've got some wonderful trails there. Is that right? Yes, sir, we do. We've got several hiking trails. You've got uh, Chimney Rock, which is a great trail. We've got our watchable wildlife trail here right on the park, uh, which is you can see, you never know what type of wildlife you're going to see. You'll see deer, elk, bear, a lot of birds, uh, bald eagles, golden eagles, uh, we even had some, last week had some white pelicans here at, at Windsurf Beach. Well, I think you're almost renowned for your bird watching, aren't you? Absolutely. There's actually uh, several what's rated as hot spots on the park here by the Audubon Society for the bird watching. Now, also, if you come down and don't have a boat, because it's great for all types of boating activity, I believe you have a rental fleet right there at the marina. Is that right? Yes, sir, we do. We have a, a rental fleet of pontoon boats, both 18-foot and 22-foot pontoon boats right now, and we will be upgrading that. We've got some new boats ordered, so we'll have a, a brand-new rental fleet later on this summer. Now, you used to have some fishing boats. Do you still do that, or is it just the pontoons? The pontoons, just the pontoons, Terry, but they are set up for fishing with the, you know, the bass-type seats on them. And I'll tell you what, what a place to fish. I love it down there. Just tell people the species that are in that lake. Well, we've got all kinds of species, uh, starting with right now the crappie fishing is good, uh, but we've got crappie, we have uh, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, we've got kokanee salmon, uh, we've got catfish, uh, bluegill. And let's not forget the pike. pike. Yes, sir, the very, very large pike. What are some of the bigger pike you've seen come out of there? I've seen them in the 40-inch range, Terry. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed, and if people go look at that YouTube, it's from one of my past television shows, the coloration on those pikes a little different than typical pike. It, it's, it looks almost hybrid. They do. They, they really are kind of more striped and, and, and dots on them, and they are a little different than the normal pike you see. But, boy, they can get prolific. Now, um, when I've, down, I've been down there, and I've caught monster catfish. We've caught, I think we've caught 30 pike in a day just fishing the backs of the coves, casting crankbaits. Um, I've caught the smallmouth I've caught down there. I caught two smallmouth that has to, had to push over four pounds. And at one time, the state record smallmouth came out of there. I would think, too, that the crappie fishing is starting to take off there right now. Is that right? 
It's starting. The water's a little murky and still a little cool with the runoff coming in, but people are catching good numbers of the crappie. Uh, temperature, water temperature at our boat ramp here the other day was 47 degrees, but the fur- further south you go, it'll warm up a little bit more. I heard people going down south uh, towards Bankus Canyon getting up towards a 51-degree temperature, and I think, you know, when it gets into the mid-50s, that's when the crappie really start to get active. Well, and that's another thing, too. You can buy both a Colorado and a New Mexico fishing license right there at the marina, right? Uh, actually, at the visitor center. The yes, visitor sir. center, okay. And so you can get both. So you can fish the entire lake. You don't have to travel somewhere to get a New Mexico. You can fish just the Colorado side. And by the way, people remember your fishing licenses ran out in March. If you haven't got a new one yet, you need one. But uh, what's your weather like down there right now? Right now it is sunny, it is warm, I guess it's probably in the mid-60s, a little bit breezy at the morning, which is pretty typical for Navajo, but it, that'll drop off in the middle day, it'll be, be quite warm, it's, they're predicting mid-70s today. Well, yeah, and we're going to, so, and you'll, you stay, once you start warming up down there, you get some pretty warm weather, and then, you know, there's just so much to do around the area, and the great fishing, I, I, I can't, it's far enough from major metropolitan areas where you're never going to feel like you're crowded or competing with anybody either, are, are you? That's true, Terry. We've got, in fact, they we're noted as kind of the, the miniature lake pal. There's so many nooks and crannies and coves that you can get into. Even on a 4th of July weekend, you can get away from any of the crowds and feel like you're secluded on this lake. Say 35 miles with lots of lots of coves and lots of bays to get into. Last uh, Last question. When do you see those pikes start moving in shallow? You'll see them right now as, as some of the crappies start uh, spawning and get active, and especially as the lake's coming up, there's some new structure for those pike to get into those shallow bays. So the, the pike fishing from now on out is going to do nothing but improve. And I think uh, probably you're, gonna, you're probably already starting to see pre-spawn bass too. Yes, sir, we are. Yeah, well, it's just a tremendous fishery, and you got some. You know, it's a sh- we talk about all this, and that being said, you have great trout in there too. Yes, sir. We've got, I forgot to mention those, we do have both brown trout and and rainbow trout in the lake. It's just a great place to go for a family or for a hardcore fisherman or any other outdoor or boating activities. Uh, You know what, Rob, I want to just thank you so much for coming on. It's one of my favorite places. We just love to talk about it. Hopefully a lot of people uh, will get down there. Uh, I'm sure you have a Facebook and a web page that's online with Parks and Wildlife, right? Yes, sir, we do. When you go to cpw.org, excuse me, you can then you can just check, click on, pick your place, and you pick up Navajo, and it'll give you all the information. Uh, We'll update that uh, weekly as far as water temperatures and and fishing reports as well. All right, my friend, thank you for joining us. We always love having you on. Yes, sir. You too, Terry. Have a great weekend. You bet. That's Rob Carter from uh, Navajo Reservoir. We'll take a time out. We're still trying to get a hold of a chat or somebody. We want to talk about this open house that's coming up at Crawley Marine in a couple weeks because they're just really good, good people. they got a new facility, and their lineup of fishing boats is second to none. So we'll try to find out about that, but we're going to talk a lot more fishing yet today and a little shooting. we got a lot of stuff to cover on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Dire Straits. You're a good man, Kyle. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phone. And joining us, because Chad Lachance is apparently lost in the mountains somewhere with no phone service, is Brad Peterson. Thank you, Brad. 
Oh, you're welcome, Terry. Glad you could join us at the last minute because I really wanted to talk about this thing at Crowley Marine. And by the way, folks, this is an unpaid endorsement. Crowley's, uh, they just really are the headquarters for fishing boats in, in Colorado, aren't they? They definitely are. You know, they carry two of the biggest brands out there, Ranger and Lund. Uh, They carry the Ranger fiberglass boats, the Lund aluminum boats, and then they also carry, you know, which is becoming so popular, the Sylvan pontoon boats. And and you're right. And then all of those are great fishing options for Colorado. So tell me, now, the reason I wanted to get on and talk about this event today is because we're not going to have a show next week because of the NFL draft. So this event is actually uh, May 4th, I believe. Yes, Saturday, May 4th, from 9 to 4, Crowley is having a big open house, and it's kind of to celebrate their moving. You know, Crowley had spent over 20 years kind of on the east part of Denver there, just a little south of Colfax, and last fall, they got a new location and moved in there about boat show time, and it is off of I-76 and Pecos, right about 64th and um, uh, Pecos there, a great new location. It's a lot bigger. They're able to have multiple boats in the showroom. They have five bays of service available there, so they're going to be able to help out more people with service and rigging boats quicker. So what they wanted to do was kind of invite the public out there, come on down. A bunch of the pro staff, um, factory reps are going to be there, able to answer questions, you know, the Crowley staff. They're incredibly knowledgeable on their products. And then, you know, the other great thing is free food. Terry, we all enjoy free food. That's right. There's going to be free food, and it's, and it goes on. I think I've, I've got it here somewhere, but do you remember the hours? I can bring it up real quick. But Nine to four. Nine to four, and that's on the fourth. Now, you're actually, I believe, are you doing some seminars there? Um, I'm going to be helping out. I'm not sure if they're going to be doing seminars, but I, I do know they are going to be having some guide trips given away for the people that attend. Well, who are so, some? Uh, who are some of the people that you could win a guide trip from? Um, I I can say for sure me, and I believe um, Dan Swanson has donated one, but don't and, and possibly Chad as well. But don't hold me a hundred percent to that because I don't have confirmation on the other people, but I do know there's going to be some guide trips given away. They're going to have the pro staff there to answer questions, uh, to help you walk through the products and, you know, just, just get out there, talk some fishing and take a look at the new facilities. If you need to pick up a part or a, an accessory, there's going to be people that are extremely knowledgeable about that. You know, Dan Swanson will be there. Dan's probably the most knowledgeable Lawrence person in the state of Colorado, um, both on just the operation, but also what the different uh, models offer for what you're looking for. Well, you know, one of the things, Brad, that can go on there, because yourself and Dan and I believe Chad and a number of the pro staff will be there, you can always get good help from Crowley in putting your boat together, picking it out, knowing what boat suits the way you want to use it the best, whether you fish a certain way or other recreation. And there's a lot of questions, and you don't want to make a mistake because it's an investment that you, you should be able to keep for a long, long time. So you want to do it right. And coming to you guys, too, and having that extra of the pro staff being there and what you guys look for in a boat, that that can put a little... I think Crawley could answer all those questions, but I think it gives a little more confidence to the boat buyer. Oh, I do. And, 
you know, one of the big keys once you get a boat is how do you rig it up? How do you set it? What accessories? Where do you put them? Where are the rod holders? And all of that type stuff. And the guys that are on pro staff have set up numerous boats, and they've got reasons why they do stuff. And sometimes there's things that you may not have thought about that that extra $25 purchase or maybe moving that rod holder an extra foot down here so that it's not um, on the front of the boat. If if it's too far front and your bow mount electric is up, it's going to be inter, interfered there. So you can move it back a little bit and make it work. So a lot of that practical on-the-water knowledge that all the pro staff have gained can be shared with people there and help them set up a boat, whether it's your first boat or whether it's, you know, your fifth boat. There's always new things to learn, new features and and ways to set things up. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for people to get information, right. have a fun time, and, and learn about Sally and their new location. And that's April 4th at their new location. I'm sure you can Google. May 4th. Yeah, I'm sure you can uh, Google May 4th, yeah, May 4th at their new location. I'm sure you can Google Crawley Marine and find out more. Got a couple minutes left. Have you been out fishing? I have been out fishing a little bit. Uh, the pond bass fishing is doing pretty good. I know you were out. Uh, my dad ran into you, got into some panfish, and then uh, was out on Cherry Creek yesterday, and the bite there is is decent. Um, it's, it's right in that transition time. Water temperatures run about 50 degrees, so you've got some trolling bites going on some fish are starting to think about moving shallow but um i think for the walleye bite from denver north we are ready to explode with the next three or four day warm spell yeah i think so and boyd boyd should be a real good lake this year and and we'll see how a horse tooth does for walleyes but i'll tell you the horse tooth the bass fishing should be taken off we should be starting it's a little colder there but we should we should be we're getting real close to pre-spawn smallmouth yeah people i know uh there have been a couple bass tournaments up there they're catching fish the fish are still on the deeper side but um they're catching good numbers of smallmouth with this warm weather, they should be moving up. The guys are catching some uh, spawning or or just post-spawn walleyes up at Horsetooth. And the Carter bite, we're still on pre-spawn. We're still about two weeks away from Carter really taking off. So if you're looking for a trophy fish, uh, when you're, we're talking walleye, one of the best lakes in the state's Carter, and you still have another couple weeks of opportunity to get out there and get on those spawning fish up there at Carter. Yeah, I've heard that the people have been struggling a little bit, so it hasn't peaked. Carter can be a unique lake to fish, but it does have a great population. And there's just, I think, uh, just before I let you go, you mentioned that I was out in the ponds, and this warm weather is going to trigger the bass. In fact, today, and now tomorrow is Easter, but early tomorrow before the the fronts start moving in, um, which are going to be later in the day, uh, but it is Easter. But I think today would be a great day to hit these ponds for bass and panfish and trout. Oh, most definitely. I've, I've been fishing a, a couple small ponds for the last, you know, since ice came off of a two, uh, Wednesday. I, I've been catching, you know, a handful of bass a day. Wednesday, I started catching, you know, 15 to 20 bass. The bass have really moved up. They've become active. They're actually chasing swim baits. And so the activity level and the bite has really increased just just in the last few days here, and you're starting to see that bluegill activity, the panfish at the surface, 
So, yeah, I, I agree with you. If you've got a few hours or if you're in route to your family Easter function, um, you know, don't be afraid to throw a fishing rod in and uh, cat, make a few casts at a local pond there. Yeah, and people, when I post the ponds or when you and I talk about them, they always want to know what pond we were at. And it's not really the key of what pond you're at. It's what's the status of that pond that day. And most of these ponds up and down the front range have panfish and bass in them. A lot of them have trout, too. And it's just a matter of your timing and catching that pond at the right time. That That's exactly it. And one thing I'll say is there are some great spots. You know, we talk about St. Brain a lot, but uh, there's the Pooter Ponds up in Fort Collins. Um, down in Littleton, there's the South Platte Park, Park Ponds. But there's a lot of places that have a complex of multiple ponds. And the nice thing about going to that this time of year is there may be one that's a little bit shallower or maybe has progressed and warmed up just a little bit more and the bite's a little more active. So going to one of those complexes, places that has multiple ponds, you can hit one, and maybe if the bite's not good, all you have to do is walk you know, three, 400 yards, and you're at the next pond, and the bite might be on fire on that one. All right. We've got to let you go. I do want to ask you if you heard about Tommy Scarless. I did. Um, and that's, that's I, really I'm, sad. And, and uh, I if, meant, if anyone's... Go ahead. Yeah, if anyone is, knows Tommy, he, he came out and is a, you know, one of the true icons of the walleye fishing industry and a multi-species angler. Um, I fished against Tommy. Tommy had come out to some of the past Colorado Walleye Association banquets. But one thing I do want to say, and I'll put a post up on my Facebook page, but they did start a GoFundMe page to help Tommy uh, pay for some of his upcoming medical expenses and help his wife and kids as everything's going forward. Yeah, and so for those of you that weren't listening earlier, Tommy's uh, an icon in fishing, and he's only in his 50s, and he had a bad fall a couple of years ago that they thought might cripple him. He recovered from that. He's been fishing tournaments, and now he's been diagnosed with a massive brain tumor, and he's in for the fight of his life. So we want our thoughts, prayers, but also well wishes. Go to Facebook and wish him well. Brad, thanks. I have to run. Okay, Terry. Talk to you later. All right. That's Brad Peterson and... Talk to us both about the fishing and about the the event at Crowley's on uh, May 4th. Don't forget about that. We'll take a quick time out. We come back. Nate Zielinski will join us right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.